Please be seated. And it's an all-age service, so the children are going to give the reading this morning. So if I could have uh, Alowell and Jenny, Tino, Cassie and Anna. So if you'd like to, to come up to the front. So the reading's taken from Daniel 4. It's been uh, condensed down a bit because it's a really long reading. It's still quite a long reading for the five of you to read. So if you, if you come up and... Uh... King Nebuchadnezzar, to the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came to my presence and I told him the dream. Then Daniel was greatly perplexed for a time and his thoughts terrified him. So King Balthazar do not... So... The king said, Balthazar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm me. Balthazar answered, My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The trees you saw, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole world, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals, and giving nesting places to in its branches for the birds. Your majesty, you are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extend, extends to the distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw a holy one, a messenger, coming down from the coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field. While its roots remain in the ground, let him be drenched with dew of heaven. Let him live with the wild animals until seven times pass for him. This is the interpretation, your majesty, and this is the decree of the Most High has issued against my lord the kings. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof 
of the royal palace of Babylon. He said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your, your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like, it, like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdom on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately what had been said about King Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like an ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew and till his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails were like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honoured and glorified him who lives forever. At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honour and splendour were returned to me for glory of my kingdom. My advisers and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my friend and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise of the exalted and glorify the King of Heaven, because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. This is the word of the Lord. Didn't they do amazingly well with a really hard reading there? And if the children would like to come up to the front, uh, because it is an all-age service, so... uh, uh, we're all in together today, so come up, have a seat, uh, find somewhere to sit at the front. That's it, grab a, grab a, oh, oh, yeah, I'll need that a bit later, thanks very much. That's on, good. So... Um, adults as well, but, uh, but you guys at the front. Who has seen the film Beauty and the Beast? There's a couple of versions of it. Uh, adults as well. Come on, adults. Who's familiar with this story? Uh, most people here. Okay, hands down. It's a story of an arrogant young man who gets turned into a hideous beast until he learns to love and be loved. Uh, well, today we're hearing the story of an arrogant king who gets turned into a beast until he learns to acknowledge the one true God. And it all happens in the book of Daniel. Uh, Now, Daniel was a Jew, and uh, along with the rest of his people, he was captured by the Babylonians, and he was taken away from his home, all the way, a long way away, to the city of Babylon. 
Now, Daniel was a young man, probably a teenager when he was taken to Babylon. Uh, He was young, but he was very wise. What do you think made Daniel, this is a question for you guys, what do you think made Daniel so wise? Any guessing? What do you think, Cassie? He was friends with God. He was friends with God, exactly right. And he trusted God, yes. Daniel trusted God completely. That's what made him so wise. And the uh, ruler of Babylon was King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, last week we heard about one of King Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. And this week we're going to hear about another one of his dreams because sometimes, not always, but sometimes God speaks to us through dreams. And in his dream, the king saw a huge tree. And it was so big that it could be seen from everywhere. It was laden with fruit and birds would come and nest in its branches and uh, the animals would come and take shelter uh, underneath it. And in the dream, a messenger or an angel uh, came from heaven and said, cut down the tree, cut down the tree, but leave the stump and the roots. They're going to remain in the ground. And then the messenger said something that tells us what that dream meant. He said, let his mind, so the tree is a person, let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal until seven years have passed. Now, I've got a couple of questions for the adults. Uh, Who wants to take this microphone and choose the adults that are going to answer the questions? Anyone want to take the mic? You just take it round to, to, to one of the adults. You, you. David, you'll do that. Okay. So the adults are all listening intensely now. So wait there. So the first question is, who is the tree? Who does the tree represent? So you can take that to any adult. Uh, it's amazing how anxiety-inducing a child with a microphone can be. <laughs> So any adult, who, who is this tree? Who does a tree represent? King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar. Yes, the tree symbolizes, that's it, come back down here. The tree, sim, keep hold of it though. The tree symbolizes life and power and all the people uh, of King Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom is reign over them all. And that's who the birds and the animals are in this dream. They're taking shelter under this big tree that is uh, Nebuchadnezzar. But what is going to happen to the king? And you can find someone else to answer this. Uh, see who's been paying attention. What is going to happen to the king? I like it going in a different direction. Keep them guessing. <laughs> Doris, Doris, oh, what is going to happen to the king, Doris? He's going to, he's going to live like an animal. Yeah, he's going to, exactly, he's going to uh, be given the mind of an animal. Well done, the, the, that's it, come back David, well done. People recoiling from the person with the microphone there. Right. Excellent, well done. Yeah, he's going to become like an animal. What would we say about somebody who thought they were an animal and behaved like one? What would we say about that person? We'd say they were? Cuckoo crazy. Uh, cuckoo crazy, that is one way of putting it. Yeah, we, we, we would say that they were mad. 
we'd say that they were mad. So King Nebuchadnezzar is going to go mad for seven years. That's what this dream is saying. Now, the next question is, why is this going to happen? But before we answer that, let's just hear the last part of the angel's message. He said, this is going to happen so that everyone may know that God is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. In other words, Nebuchadnezzar, you are in charge of Babylon, but God is in charge of you. And you are only the king because God allows you to be. So it's quite easy to understand what this dream meant. I mean, even the adults were able to work it out. I mean, we can, we can work this out. And I think deep down, Nebuchadnezzar knew what God was saying to him through this dream. God was saying, you've become proud. And instead of looking to yourself, you ought to be looking to me. This dream was a warning, but Nebuchadnezzar didn't want to hear it. And it's interesting that none of the wise men, none of the wise men of the city of Babylon could tell Nebuchadnezzar what this dream meant. I mean, it's pretty easy. We worked it out, but they didn't want to say anything because they were probably worried that if they gave Nebuchadnezzar this bad news, he'd chop off their heads or throw them into a fiery furnace or do something terrible to them. And to be honest, he might have done. But the last time that King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and we looked at this last week, I think, Uh, it was only Daniel that was able to tell him what the dream meant. And yet Daniel was the last person that the king called for. Daniel represents the one true God, but it seems that Nebuchadnezzar doesn't really want to hear from him. And it's a bit like this. So I need four volunteers for this next bit. Okay, let's have Caleb and Cassie and David, your hands up. One more volunteer who'd like to come up. Yep, come up. That's... uh... (laughs) Brilliant. Come up here, come up here. Yeah, this right. It's Oliver, isn't it? Correct. Right, good. Okay, so, uh, David, you can be a Viking. So if you uh, just come over here. And uh, Caleb, you can be the clown because no one else will want to wear my sweaty wig. <laughs> okay. Cassie, do you want to be a, a pirate? And... Oliver, you're going to be a plumber, okay? So look, if you stand in a row here, you stand at the front, okay, just, just in a row, just so don't, don't follow me. If you stand at the end there, just stand there, and you stand next to Cassie, just so everyone can see you, and you'd stand in there. Well done. So we've got the plumber, the pirate, the Viking, and the clown. So let's say that I've got a broken boiler and a leaky sink, Okay, who would I ask? So for you guys here, who am I, who's going to be the best person out of the four to help me with my leaky sink? What do you think? <laughs> the plumber. Okay, you think the plumber, well, maybe, well, I'm not going to choose the plumber. I'm going to go for the clown. I'm going to see if the clown can help me. But, but actually, the clown, well, maybe he makes me laugh, but he, he's not done a lot about my leaky sink. So uh, perhaps I've Got that there. Uh, perhaps I've uh, wrong to choose the clown. Okay, so get if you take your stuff off and sit down. Well done. So the clown wasn't able to help me. Okay, who? So that was a, That didn't work. Who? Who really should I ask? Not the clown. Who should I? Who should I ask to help me to, with my leaky sink? What do you reckon, Anna? The plumber. The plumber. Uh, yeah, maybe, but I'm not sure. I want to use the plumber. I think I'm going to ask the Viking. Over here, Viking. Can you help me with my leaky sink? 
Now, the, the Viking can't help me. He's never even seen a sink or a boiler. So he hasn't got a clue what to do. So you've not really been able to help me, Viking, have you? So uh, sit down, okay? Okay, right, let's stop messing around now. Who, who should I really ask out of these two remaining, a pirate or a plumber? Who's going to help me with a leaky sink? David, what do you think? The plumber, yeah, maybe the plumber, but I'm not going to go for the plumber. I'm going to go for the pirate. I'm going to see if the pirate can help me. Can you help me with my... No, you're just going to try and slice me up, okay? And probably, and probably steal my TV as well. So, uh, yeah, so, you, so the pirate, obviously, is not going to be a lot of help with this leaky sink. Okay, so if you take your, your patch off, well done, Cassie. Um, so now, the only person I've got left is the plumber. Shall I see, plumber, okay, come on then. See, can, can the plumber help me with my leaky sink? What do you think? Yes, he's the only one out of all four who can be of any help whatsoever in that situation. So this is, this is the person I need, the plumber. Thanks very much, Oliver. So if you'd like to sit down. Now, that was all a bit ridiculous, wasn't it? I mean, that was a really silly way for me to carry on. But that is exactly what Nebuchadnezzar did. And sometimes we do the same thing. Sometimes we look everywhere for help but not to Jesus. And actually, Jesus is the first person we should turn to and the only person that can truly help us. But eventually, Nebuchadnezzar did look to God via Daniel. And Daniel told the king the meaning of the dream, the meaning that we've already established. And surprisingly, Daniel felt a bit sorry for King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was terrible to Daniel's people, But Daniel had compassion on him. And he said, your majesty, I wish this wasn't the case. But you are the tree in this dream. And you're going to be cut down. But the stump and the roots will remain in the ground. So there is still hope. The tree will grow again. But you're going to go mad. And for a period of seven years, you're going to go outside uh, your, your hair is going to become long and matted. Your nails are going to become long. You're going to eat grass like the cows. And that's going to happen to you for seven years. Only when you acknowledge God as the one true ruler of all will everything be restored to you. But, and this is a really important but, he said, but if you turn to God now and rule your people well, you stop oppressing them and doing terrible things to them, then maybe none of this will ever happen. So this was a warning to the king. This was a warning to the king. He could have changed his ways. But we don't always listen to warnings, do we? What do you think? Do we always listen to warnings? So put your hand on adults as well, if any of these things have ever been said to you. So the first one, uh, if you do it again, you'll lose screen time. Who's ever heard anything like that said to them? None of the adults. They're just all perfect. Uh, they've got short memories. Um, but yeah, I think we've all, we've all heard those things said. Okay, what about this one? Behave yourself or we'll have to go home. Have anyone ever heard anything like that? Yeah, a few of the adults are picking up on it as well now. Okay, how about stop that or you'll have to go to your rooms? Have any of us heard something like that before. Yes, we're all familiar with these uh, kinds of sentences. Now, sometimes, sometimes those warnings 
get us to change our behavior, don't they? But do those warnings always get us to change our behavior? No, they don't, because sometimes we do lose out on screen time, or we have to go home, or we have to go to our rooms, and all of us adults, even though most of them won't admit it, all of us have been in that situation where we've received a warning, and actually we've completely ignored it. King Nebuchadnezzar did not heed God's warning because he was a supremely arrogant and proud person. And one year later, so God gave him plenty of time to change his ways. Um, but if anything, he actually became even more proud. One year later, he was on the roof of his palace, and he was looking out over the whole kingdom of Babylon, and he said this. He said, is not this, and this comes after his warning. He said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power, and for the glory of my majesty. I wonder how many people look at everything they've got and think that the only person that they need to thank for it is themselves. Anyway, as soon as King Nebuchadnezzar looked out and he made this supremely arrogant statement, he lost his mind and he did become like an animal. Now, how are human beings different from animals. Give me some ways that human beings are different from animals. What do you reckon, Harry? Um, they can't fly like a bird. We can't fly like birds. No, that's a good one. I can see you've got another. I'll come back to you, Sophie. We don't have four legs. We don't have four legs. No, and we walk upright. Good, Tina. We don't have tails. We don't have tails. Okay, so we definitely look very different from animals. We don't have tails and feathers and walk on four legs. We walk upright. We, all, all those physical attributes, you can see that we're human. How else are we different? What do you reckon, Cassie? We don't eat just worms and bugs. We don't eat worms and bugs and grass and stuff like that. Okay, good. Yeah, David? <laughs> yeah, legs and arms, Harry? Like a snake. No, we don't have snails like a snake. Excellent answer. What about Oliver? Go and give us the last one. Um, we don't have a trunk like an elephant. We don't have a trunk like an elephant. Excellent. So these are all uh, sort of physical attributes. We're not like animals physically, uh, but also um, there's differences like we've got. Uh, we, we've got very advanced language. We can, uh, we can speak to each other. We can write things down. Uh, we can plan for the future, make complicated plans about the future. Animals um, don't do that. We've got morality, and uh, we've, we, there's, a, there's a whole load of answers that we could give to that question. But actually, the most important thing, the most significant thing that makes us different from animals is that we are made in the image of God. We are made in God's image. We are meant to reflect God's goodness and glory out into the world. And not only are we conscious of God, that is, we know that God is there, but we are to love him, we're to worship him, to have a relationship with him through, through Jesus, and we are to glorify him. We have been created not to glorify ourselves, but to glorify God. And if we don't acknowledge God, if we don't even admit 
that he's there. If we want nothing to do with God, then actually we are missing the most essential part of what it means to be a human being. Isn't it interesting that when Nebuchadnezzar finally turned his eyes towards heaven, when he acknowledged God, when he said, God is king and not me, well, then he became like a man again. He regained his humanity. And now this is an amazing story. And you probably noticed that this whole um, chapter in Daniel is written in the first person. So there's a part of the Bible that is literally written uh, by a pagan king. And... um, Nebuchadnezzar is probably one of the last people in the Bible who we would imagine to praise God. And that's what he does. He says, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. God humbled Nebuchadnezzar so that he would come to a point where he would honor and glorify God. So how do we avoid being proud and arrogant like Nebuchadnezzar was in the first place? Well, two things. Firstly, we remember that all of the good things we have, every good thing we have, even the things that we've had to work really hard for, are gifts from God. And we are to use every part of who we are and what we have to honor and glorify God. And the next thing is we should aim to be like the most humble person who ever lived. Who's the most humble person who ever lived? Kenneth? Okay. Anna? No, Nebuchadnezzar. He he became humble. He was humble in the end, but uh, probably not the most humble person who ever lived. What do you reckon? Jesus. Jesus is the most humble person who ever lived. Jesus was and is God, yet he came into the world as a tiny baby. He was born in a stable. He was laid in a manger. We're going to hear a lot more about that as we move into Advent and Christmas. When he grew up, he walked the uh, dusty roads of Judea and Galilee. Uh, He was poor. He didn't have any money. And finally, he suffered the pain and the humiliation of the cross. He was crucified, but we know the story doesn't end there because after three days, he rose to new life. But the point I'm making is that we worship a humble God. We don't want to be proud and puffed up like Nebuchadnezzar. We want to be humble like Jesus. We want to be people who humbly acknowledge, praise, worship, and glorify God because he is good and he is king. Should we pray? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we recognize that we uh, can all be uh, boastful, proud, and arrogant at times. Uh, we can think that we've done everything on our own when actually um, you've blessed us. We can live in a way that uh, disregards who you are and what you've done for us. And we pray that um, we can look to you, turn our eyes to heaven, and recognize that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and the only one worth building our life on and around. And we pray uh, that you will be at the very center of our lives, and that we will worship you and follow you and be obedient to you all the days of our life. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.